With supply chains becoming more complex, you need to stay on top of the latest logistics developments. So if you work with logistics, you need the Beyond the Box podcast from Maersk. It's the easy way to keep up to date with everything from digital disruption in logistics to the need for supply chain resilience in today's market. Find out more and keep ahead of the game with the Beyond the Box podcast on logistics insights at maersk.com insights. Welcome to Training Unleashed, the show that will help you design and deliver training that's off the chain and will make a difference. Now, here's your host, Evan Hackle. Hello, everyone, and welcome to, I think it's going to be a really interesting edition of Training Unleashed. I want to start off, as always, and thank my sponsors, C-Suite TV and C-Suite Radio. Without them, I wouldn't have a show. Of course, without the listeners, I wouldn't have a show. Without my guests, I wouldn't have a show. Today, we have a great guest. His name is Chad Brown. He is a leadership engagement expert, and anybody that listens to the show knows I love engagement because uh, I think it's the key to, to everything in life. And he likes to refer to himself as coach, and he's a leadership expert. So I'm going to ask you this question, kick us off. What's the Go difference between a leader and a coach? What's the difference between a leader and a coach? Yeah. Uh, I believe any good leader is a coach. I don't know. I don't know that there's a distinction between the two. So I define leadership as uh, I define leadership as um, working with people to create something together, right? So how do we create a result together? And what am I doing to catalyze that? And a coach is the exact same thing. If I'm a coach, I'm working with you to make sure that we're creating something new together, a vision that we have, something that we've decided is worth going for. So I don't know. It's a kind of a trick question for me. I don't know that there's a difference. We actually have an academy called the Academy for Leadership. And in that, we are literally teaching leaders of corporations, CEOs, company founders, how to do the work that we do with other leaders. Because we know if we can integrate that into an organization, then there's endless possibility. I think that a lot of people confuse leadership as you're discussing it and think leadership is about creating a vision, a strategic plan, and leadership is about growing people, which is what right coaching on. is. Right on. And you really have to have that to make things successful in, in, in business. Yeah. Um, it's an enrollment. I, I see it as an enrollment process, really. I mean, coaching and leadership are both an enrollment process. Leadership is enrolling people into the vision for, and, and it's, it's based off, from my, from my perspective, um, it's really based off of how does the vision for themselves or how does what they want out of life align with the vision of the organization that they're working for, that they're spending 60% of their waking hours with. Do those things match up? Does the vision and mission of the company or organization contribute to their personal vision? And does their personal vision and talents and interests contribute to the organizational vision? Yeah. What do you think makes people want to be a leader? Such an interesting question. There's, I mean, it's different for every single person, especially what they perceive a leader is. Some people perceive leadership as a title and a salary. And I think that is attractive to some people. It's a goal um, or achievement. 
Yeah. 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 I think uh, the people that I get to work with, they want to make a difference. They want to make a difference in human lives. And it's not something that is commonly taught in our, in our regular course of education is like, how do I make a, a difference with you, Evan? And so that's, uh, I, that's so attractive. It's obviously how you build something meaningful. Um, but it's just not taught anywhere. I mean, not anywhere, but it's not taught in our traditional, in our traditional, traditional veins. So I think a lot of people feel this desire to be with, with other human beings in a meaningful way, but we just don't necessarily know how to do that. This is such an interesting topic and I could go on and on about it, but I find that a lot of times people want to be a leader because they like the admiration, the, the, the acknowledgement but they don't like the hard work of actually coaching. Yeah, that's with most aspects of life, I think. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Child raising in particular. Yeah. Uh -huh. Yeah, we want the rewards without the without the dues paid. Yeah. So let's take a moment here because I know one of the biggest things for you is being responsible. Yeah. What does that mean in the context of leadership? Uh, being accountable to your results. That's what responsibility is to me. So most of us want to, or, or a lot of, a, a good chunk of our society wants merit based off of their effort. Yeah. And and here's where I diverse, like I, I here's where I lose some people. Because <laughs> it's a kind of a, it, I call it a harsh truth. You don't have to accept that it's a truth just because I say it's a truth. Uh, I think it's a truth for me. And, and, and I've seen it played out in my old life. I see it working with my clients. But the idea is basically that we must look outside of ourselves. We must look at the results we're creating and be accountable to those. And that's true responsibility. It's not like, hey, I tried really hard. Yeah. Well, either you created the results that you said you were committed to creating or you didn't. No problem either way. It's all information anyway. It's neutral information until you put a moralization on it. But ultimately, look at the results outside of yourself that you're creating, and that tells you whether or not you're being responsible. It's the ultimate feedback results. That's exactly right. Feedback is happening everywhere. Sometimes we just choose to pay attention. Other times we don't. Yeah. So this is an interesting... Um, conversation because it leads to the next question so nicely. Never set goals. That's one of the things that you feel strongly about. I'm sure there's something more to this. Yeah. But if you talk about accountability, typically accountability is someone has set a goal and did they achieve it or did they not achieve it? So what do you mean by never set, a, never set goals? Of course. I mean, it's a little bit of a clickbaity statement. Um, okay. I'm, I'm not, I'm not, I that, <laughs> I'm not that adverse to goals. I just think the way that we have related to goals for the most part, for our society in general, I think it's unhealthy. And I think it doesn't actually produce the results that we say we want. So what I mean by a goal is like, I, I compared a lot to physical activity. If I want to get really, if I, if I make a, a goal with myself that I'm going to start working out, typically I have some end in mind that I want, right? Whether that's to lose weight, to get stronger, 
you know, you name it, right? So this is, you, you joked it before we hit record, you joked about New Year's resolutions. This is the, the most common New Year's resolutions. The most popular one is to lose weight or to get in shape as other people yeah. say, right? Now, how many people do you know, including me, that have said, I'm going to lose some weight or I'm going to get stronger and start down that path and don't finish? I think about 95% of them. The majority. So yeah. why are we not asking ourselves, what's wrong with this picture? What's wrong with this approach? And maybe wrong is not even the right question. Why doesn't this produce results? And I started asking that question for myself. And what I realized is that the reason it wasn't producing results for me is because there was some end in mind that I had already decided was worth the effort, but I didn't know what it took yet. I didn't realize, or I didn't stop to consider that at 5.30 in the morning when the alarm went off and I'm in my warm bed and that alarm's telling me to get up and get into the cold and go to the gym, that that would be the price that I would pay for this thing that I said I wanted. So there was a lack of attention to the discipline needed in order to make it happen. And I thought, and I thought to myself, well, what if I made a small shift, Evan? What if, I, what if I shift my focus from what I think I want out of this, which would be getting out of shape or losing weight, which may or may not, may not happen. I may make it or not. What if I shifted from that to the small disciplines that it takes in order to create that in my life? So it's not that I don't, it's not that I stop wanting the thing right? I do want to be in shape. I want to go skiing as we were talking about earlier. I want to go skiing with my kids three times a weekend and not feel burnt out or, you know, be able to physically keep up with them. So I want that. I want to look good. Of course, I'm vain, just like everybody else. I want to look good. So those are things that I still want. Yet when I just go based off of what I want, I typically drop out. So what I did is made that shift. Well, what's it going to take in order to have that? And that becomes my focus. It's no longer a goal. It's the discipline every day or whatever cadence I decide it is. So it's that discipline that I focus on. Can I say this a different way? Yeah. It's the Please. process and the commitment to the process. That That's right. People to focus on the most because that process is incremental. It's a little bit. That's right. Day. So the, the language, the conversation I'm having with myself shifted from, I want to lose weight or get into shape to, I am the person who works out five times a week for the rest of my life. Yeah. I'm the guy who works out five times a week for the rest of my life. Doesn't matter. Monday morning pops up. I am the guy who works out five times a week for the rest of my life. I like that. So when I saw this, I thought of it completely differently. And I'd like to share with what I thought. Yeah, because, please. You know, I, I know a little bit about leadership too. Um, and that is that who sets the goals really matters. So I find in the work environment, when goals are set from the top, it's somebody else's goal for the employees. Mm. But when goals are set from the bottom, there's accountability and ownership. So I was thinking of never set goals from the point of view that a leader from a leader, like their team set goals versus dictating goals. 
because if the team sets a goal, if I set my own goal, I'm much my goals for me. Um, as my manager, the leader sets the goal. That makes sense to you? Makes a lot of sense to me. And really what we're talking about is, is ownership, right? Yeah. Are we willing to have ownership of the results that we're, say, we're going to create in this organization? A lot of times if leaders set goals for their teams, sometimes the team members don't even know how they contribute to making that result happen. Yeah. And when it's set from their perspective, they can actually take a look at what it is that they can contribute and how they can affect it and then formulate that into some sort of vision, aim, or outcome that they're committed to. I 100% agree. Yeah. So another thing you talk a lot about is the imposter syndrome. So let me start with why do people have it? Why do people, because I, I totally concur with it, by the way. I believe a lot of people feel like they're maybe a little bit of an imposter. Yeah. What's the root cause of it? And then how do you create freedom from it? So I say the reason we experience, and I don't, I, I'm working to reformulate the way that we talk about this. I don't love that syndrome is on the back end of it. Okay. Syndrome makes it sound like it's abnormal or unhealthy from my perspective and from a lot of people that I talk to. I actually believe feeling like an imposter at moments is the human experience, especially for those who are driving towards something unknown. If you're, drive, if you're committed to something and you're driving towards something unknown, that's gonna call out of you doing things that you've never done before that you feel unqualified for, that you don't know what you're doing, all of that sort of stuff, right? And that in, inherently, naturally is going to bring up some sort of feeling of imposterness. Now, it's not that you're a fraud or it's not that you're a cheat unless you lie about your imposter, in, in, unless you lie about your feelings of imposter or unless you lie about your lack of experience. So hang with me for just one second. So we, I make the distinction between imposter and fraud. Imposter is somebody who's taking on something new, driving towards something new, stepping into the unknown, taking risks. It becomes fraudulent when we pretend like we know exactly what we're doing all the time, which actually creates the most, I would say, one of the things that commit creates the most disconnect between a leader and those they serve is pretending you know what you're doing all of the time. So how do we, oh, go ahead. No, I'm just going to say, I, I, I think a lot of leaders don't like to show vulnerability mm -hmm. because I think that makes people, they think that makes people think they're weak. Yes. Where the exact opposite is true. Exact opposite. When you pretend like you know everything or that you should know everything, that's when weakness is sensed. Yeah. So, so how, do we, how do you create freedom from the, the feelings of being an imposter? Accept it. Claim it. The things that hold us prisoner are the things that we're unwilling to recognize, right? The, the, the darkest cave you don't want to enter holds the treasure. So 
if you want to unlock that, if you want to create freedom from it or freedom, I would even say freedom with it, because you're going to take it with you everywhere you go. It's not going away. I heard an incredible talk by Mel Robbins uh, a couple of years ago that really opened my eyes. She was talking about going into her, she's going to speak from the stage at the Cowboy Stadium and it's a packed house. And she has spoke all over the world to the biggest crowds and she's still feeling like an imposter before she goes on stage. She's been doing this for 20 years, however long. I don't remember how long. And it would just, it just struck me. I know that I know that this is true. I've heard other people talk about it, but when she talked about it and said, man, the amount of imposter syndrome or the, the how much I felt like an imposter going out on that stage was shocking. And I took it with me and I claimed it. It was mine. It didn't control me. I controlled it. And I think that's how we create freedom. So if I, in any situation, if I'm going this podcast, right, I'm getting ready to get on it. I'm nervous because I want to do a good job. I want to serve you. I want to serve your audience. Nobody knows me from Adam. When we start talking, I want to make a good impression. I'm human. I want to be liked. All of that is going on for me at once. So all I have to do is claim it. Look, man, I'm nervous. I'm nervous I'm not enough for this, but I'm going to give it my best shot and I'm going to go until we find something that's great. Need to improve your business results? Tortle's Rapid Curriculum Design Workshop might be just what you need. We partner with your business experts to identify knowledge gaps, determine training needs, and design a curriculum to help you achieve your business goals. We engage directly with the employees who have the most information to provide. The outcome of our Rapid Curriculum Design Workshop? A detailed blueprint with curriculum goals and strategies on how to implement the curriculum. And that- well, Anyone that has listened to the show should be nervous because you know I ask questions from all over the place. <laughs> so I'm going to ask you a question right now. What's yeah. the opposite of being an imposter? I don't know what the, I don't know what the opposite of, of being an imposter I is. I think it's I've entitled- never- Right on. I like that. I really like that because one of the things I was going to say is if I'm not nervous getting on this podcast, I'm, that's going to cause me pause because the nervousness or the feeling of being an imposter shows I care. It shows I want to do a good job and that I want to show up fully for you and for the, for the people, for myself. I, I, I really love that. I think people that feel entitled come across as they're doing people a favor. Other people aren't worthy. Um, we had more time we could go into it, but I've got a couple other questions I want to ask. <laughs> I really love, thank you for that, by the way. I think that's you're wonderful. You're, you're very welcome. Uh, you got a big and sign on your, on your hat. And for those people watching the show on C-Suite TV, they could see it, but most people are listening. He's got a hat, it's a baseball hat. It's got a big and signal, signal uh, symbol on it. What, what does that symbol represent to you? Um, it's, a, it's, a, it's a mindset. It's a perspective shift that most of, most of the time that I'm working with my clients, so it's, I have different visual cues in my background and on me. So because all of my client calls are typically Zoom, uh, unless we're on an offsite or something like that. So I just put some little cues in there. 
to help remind people of certain mindsets that I think are going to make a big difference in what they're up to. One of those is most of the clients find me in very black and white uh, uh, thinking. It's this or this. That's it. And I work to replace or with and. Yeah. It can be this and it can be this. And there's probably 15 other things it could be that we haven't considered. Let's start considering more options. And when we have more options, there's more possibility. When there's more possibility, commitment grows. Love it. I love it. It's a good shift. Yeah. I do think we think in life about trade-offs all the time. All the time. It's much more abundant and an abundant mentality to think about possibility. So I yeah. think that's very whenever cool. whenever a client presents to me something that is this or this, I'm always going to ask, what if you could have both? Yeah. So and that always, oh, go ahead. No, I I just I want. I got one more question I got to ask. That's, We're moving. Let's go. That, that's really important. Yeah. You know, the show's Training Unleashed. So we like to talk about training. How do companies trade, train leaders in their organization? Because the leader isn't just the CEO. There are a lot of leaders. And I want you to answer this question for small companies and large companies. Okay. So what would your recommendation be for people to train leaders in a small company, and then we'll do a large company. Like developing leadership within your organization? Is that the question? Yeah. Okay, yes. great. Because yeah. things don't happen by accident. No, they don't. They don't. And in fact, we train, we work with our clients to start training leadership right from the beginning. Even in the entry-level positions of your company, start to think of them as the potentiality of leadership in your organization. And in fact, if you're writing them a paycheck, you're giving them a job title and a description, I hope they're leading at least some fraction of your company for you and doing it better than you could. So how? That's a vast question. There's so, I mean, we could, that could be hours and hours and hours of conversation. I think the first step is realizing that each person there is a leader in some realm of the company, in some realm of the organization, in some realm of the team, and treat them as such. To be able to allow somebody the potential, like allow them to see where they can lead and be accountable to that, hold themselves accountable to that leadership, that's going to call, call the right people up and weed the wrong people out. And then pretty soon, once you have is an organization of everybody who wants to lead, especially in their corner. So how do you see leadership development as different in large companies versus small companies? It's interesting because I, I, I usually, I talk about the viscosity of the culture of companies. So a small company is like swimming in water. You want to make a change or you want to make an impact, you can move fast, pretty smoothly, especially if you've done some practice. I talk about the culture of a big company being like peanut butter. <laughs> it, takes a, it takes a lot more consistency or cons consistency. It takes a, lot, a little bit more muscle for a smaller move. 
just knowing what your challenges are in each of those cultures and each of those types of organizations can help you focus your impact. And ultimately, you just have to pay attention to the results. I think this is coming back to the where we started, is that if you're clear in a big organization, the results that you can create, that you can affect, and you're paying attention to those, and if they're happening, great, keep doing what you're doing. If you're not, shift. Same thing with a small company, but just don't expect the same movement in each one. Like it. I love that analogy of water and peanut butter. It's fantastic. Chad, you clearly are an expert in this area, interesting, bright person. Can you tell us a little bit more about yourself and your company and what you do? Yeah, absolutely. I I came to this place in my life because I was a terrible leader myself in my company. I built a, I, I founded and built a media company that I'm selling this year. Really exciting. And, um, through the course of that, that company, that leadership experience, I learned, I made every mistake and um, ultimately hired a business coach to come in and consultant to help us clear things up. That's now who I work with day in and day out. It's one of the founding partners of our firm. Um, but that's what brought me to this place. Once I figured that out and got that, that company to a great position and it was proud of mostly the husband and dad I had become and how my company supported that, I wanted to do the same thing for others. And so that's really my place of expertise. I work with a lot of entrepreneurs. I work with a lot of company founders, usually doing somewhere between one to 20 million uh, in revenue a year. Team sizes vary a lot, um, but most of them find me in a place of inflection where their business has become, has started to control them. Interesting. Yeah. Your website. And what's that? What's your website? Takenewground.com. Takenewground.com. That's correct. Yep. Okay. Yeah. I love the name of the website. Um, so I know you have a podcast. I do. And I know that you're going to share us information on the podcast, which is cool, and some of the best episodes. So please do. Yeah. Well, the, our podcast is called Naked Leadership. It really is. And it, our goal with it sometimes lots of times successful, sometimes unsuccessful to really unveil some of the conversations that are happening behind the scenes for leaders that not a lot of people are talking about. The vulnerabilities, as you talked about earlier, it's an invitation to vulnerability. So one of the best examples of that is an episode that we did recently, episode 145. You can take a look. I, anybody checking it out, I would, I would recommend they start there. What happened is I produce and plan the podcast, and then I do it with our two co-founding uh, partners uh, of the firm, Dan and Adrian. So I plan the topics. We come together, we discuss a topic, or we have a guest. I sent them a topic, but had a different thing in mind. Uh, and when I got onto the call, I, I asked them if it was okay if we worked through one of my grievances with them, something that I was... That, that wasn't going well for me in our, in our working partnership. And of course, they, they were all in 100% because this is probably one of the biggest challenges we help our clients with is having difficult conversations uh, with, the, with their team, with their partners, with their spouses. And so I wanted to really demonstrate how we fumble through it as a team. So in this episode, you get to hear the three of us. I, it's completely authentic. 
And in the moment, you can hear my awkwardness, you can hear my commitment, you can hear their commitment and their awkwardness. And it, it's a really fun conversation. So that's where I would direct people initially is episode 145. I think it's called how we do confrontation. And, and how do uh, people find your, how do you people find your uh, podcast? You can search it on any of the main uh, podcast uh, uh, players, or I can obviously provide a link to you for show notes or any of that kind of stuff. Um, would definitely like it for show notes. Mm -hmm. um, a lot of people don't get the show notes. So if people go to trainingunleashed.net, they can get the show notes for any of the shows. Uh, but when you do iTunes or iHeart or, um, or you know, a lot of the services, they don't provide notes. They just provide the description, um, which would be cool. How about your email address for people that might want to reach out to you? Of course. Yeah. Chad at takenewground.com. Nice. So Chad, as you know, and my listeners know, if you have one tip to share, what would that one tip be? You told me we were going to ask this question. So I was, I was looking for opportunities to answer this throughout the conversation. I really loved the vulnerability piece that you attached to or, 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 or clung on to. My invitation to you is whatever fears, if you're listening to this, whatever fears you're experiencing or whatever, um, whatever places that you feel unqualified, my invitation to you is to claim that to somebody else somebody who you have trust with, somebody who will stand for you in a powerful way, won't just let you, won't let it just go that far. And just notice in claiming that to somebody else, not as like a complaint, but as like, hey, here's where I'm at, but I'm also determined to go here. And you'll notice the power of that start to reside, how much it controls your conversation, your interactions and your actions it'll start to weaken. And as we claim those insecurities, as we claim those fears, as we claim what it is we think we're not worthy of, or, you know, who thinks we're a fool or who, you know, all of that sort of stuff, you, all of that power starts to go away when it's out in the open, because you can both have fears and go a hundred percent in your commitments. And that's the, that's the, that's the new and that I'm inviting you into. I love it. Finding that person you trust, I think is pretty, pretty key to that tip. Sure. Okay, everyone. Um, I want to thank everyone for being here and listening. Without you, I don't have a show. I want to thank my sponsors, C-Suite TV and Radio. And of course, I want to thank Chad Brown. Chad, have a great day. Everyone have a great day. Thanks for having me, Evan. This is fun. Training Unleashed is brought to you by Tortal Training, specializing in e-learning and interactive online training solutions for corporate, government, nonprofit, and franchise organizations. Tortal makes effective training easier. Just go to tortal.net to gain access to real-world tools that can make a difference. That's tortal.net, T-O-R-T-A-L, tortal.net. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.